You know, as uh, one pastor said in the past, if that didn't light your fiery woods wet, uh, that was, man, that's good. Hallelujah. We can just have an invitation to go home. Don't need this sermon, my brother. That's good. You know, I, God brought me to Russellville mm, in 1993. And uh, some of the first people that I met after I got here, was one of them was a guy by the name of Charlie Thorne. Most of you have probably heard of Brother Charlie. And the other is Sammy Taylor. And uh, one that's been a very dear friend. For all these years, his brother Sammy has given me multiple opportunities to come and to preach to his people. And I tell you what, as, as a pastor, I understand you guard this pulpit. Um, you, God's going to hold you responsible for what's taught from this pulpit. And you need to be careful who you allow to come. And, uh, and, and so I don't take this lightly, my brother. Uh, this is, to me, it's serious that God would give me the opportunity to come and stand with folks that, that feels like home. My goodness, I, I really enjoy being here at, at Mountain View because it just, it does feel like home. So this morning, we're going to, and you can go ahead and find your way to, to the book of Mark chapter 7, if you want to do that, as I kind of uh, introduce the message to you. You know, this, I don't know how many of y'all, we're going to talk about tradition. Um, and, and the first thing that when I hear that word, tradition, comes to my mind is Fiddler on the Roof. Have y'all, how many of y'all seen Fiddler on the Roof? Okay. A few of you have. Okay. The guy's up there, you know, and the guy the, with the milk truck is, or the cart, they're asking him, says, why do they do these things? And he says, tradition. We don't know why we do it, but it's tradition. That sounds like a Baptist thing to me. Um, but l- let, me f- let me first add, though, before I get too far into this, that uh, all traditions are not bad. Uh, I was in the Navy in, um, in Memphis, well, actually Millington, but Memphis, Tennessee. I was in the Navy there and uh, met this really, really special lady. Um, and I was headed home for Christmas, back to Kansas. And we had a blizzard, and it, uh, and it closed the roads, literally closed the roads. So um, I was blessed to be stranded at uh, my wife's house. <laughs> so it was, it was actually a good thing, praise the Lord. And, uh, and she had a special dad. His, her dad, Otis, was just a, just a great guy. I loved him to death, her and her mom too. But um, I was introduced to a tradition. Um, Jeannie and I are both only children, so she's spoiled, I can tell you that right now. And, uh, and so we, we were there for Christmas, and before we could open presents, uh, Otis says what we, we do is we have a tradition here that, that the, the children, which would back then would have been the two of us, will read the Christmas story, and the patriarch of the family will lead in in prayer before we open the gifts that remind us of the greatest gift that God gave us. So that became a tradition. And so when we had children, uh, the children read the Christmas story and the patriarch of the family would lead in prayer. And then we'd open the gifts. Well, time has passed. Now the grandchildren 
are reading the Christmas story. Patriarch, still leading in prayer. That'll be passed down one of these days to the rest of the family. But, you know, that's a tradition. And, and you have those. You, you've got things, special things you do, maybe special foods you cook. So all traditions are not bad. And every family has some of those. In fact, some of our national holidays are, are traditions. Traditions are good. In some ways, they help us remember the past, the things that, that, uh, that we've experienced. And, and we can pass on things to the coming generation. But here's the problem. We have to learn what to hold on to and what to turn loose of. And I think Brother Samuel agreed with this. That's one of the problems in the church is we can't discern the difference between the things we need to hold on to and the things we need to turn loose of. And that's kind of the thing that, that Jesus ran into. Uh, it's difficult for people of faith to, to make that decision. We have, to, we have to ask ourselves a very hard question. What's the purpose of the church? What are we here for? We're here to grow and to go. That's Great Commission. It's easy to figure out. So if something is not committed, not uh, contributing to growing or going, do we really need it? And sometimes things change over time. That's the trouble with tradition. And if, if, it's, if it doesn't fit, there, there comes a time you just need to let it die. So I want you to see Jesus struggled with the same thing. He had to face this same problem in, in Mark chapter 7. We're going to begin in verse 1. I'm reading the New King James Version. And it says this, Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now let me tell you why they were there. You may know that Brother Samuel probably told you this already. But whenever there was a, a new messianic movement, whenever someone was performing miracles or claiming to be Messiah, the, the Sanhedrin, the head, all the religious leaders in Jerusalem would send a contingent of people out to look them over, check them out, ask them questions, find out if it's real or not real, and then to either, either approve it or disapprove it. Well, they, of course, disapproved what Jesus was doing. And it says, now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the, here's our word, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they, came from the, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. And then the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, why do your disciples not walk according to the, here it is again, the traditions of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? You see, when we don't deal properly and wisely and biblically with traditions, they become a reason for us to fault, find fault. A lot of fault finding in the church is because of traditions. Uh, tradition, now think of this, 
Traditions are something external. It can be measured. It can be observed. The religious leaders from Jerusalem had come to measure and observe Jesus. And one of the first things they saw, your disciples are not washing before they eat. See, the Jews in, in Jesus' day had developed a, an elaborate ritual of hand washing before meals. They had to go through this, this whole procedure. In fact, you go to Israel, Brother Sam had been there, and at all the, all the restaurants, all the, uh, all the hotels, dining rooms, there will be a special room with special equipment for the Jews to go and wash their hands before they eat. That's tradition. In fact, if you uh, keep your finger there a minute and fl flip over to John's Gospel. Just keep, put a bobby pin or a, a pencil or a barrette or something there in, in Mark. And flip over to John's Gospel, chapter 2. You remember the, the place of the first miracle in, in Cana? And it, notice verse 6. It said, now there were set there six water pots of stone. Now, a lot of times, you and I, as, as Christians, we read this stuff, and, and we, we just, it just says, okay, there's six water pots of stone, big deal. No, by tradition, couldn't be clay pots. Had to be stone pots, because the clay might keep some of the defilement that they're trying to get rid of, this outward, outward situation taken care of, so it had to be six water pots of stones according to the manner of the purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. They even had a place in the homes for this special tradition. One Jewish rabbi said this, It's better to go four miles to water than incur guilt by neglecting hand washing. Now here's the problem. Traditions can feel so right. And if we don't do them, they can make us feel so guilty. Have you ever skipped having grace before the meal? Okay. Most of the conflict you find in churches is the result of disagreeing over tradition, not scripture. So it creates a ground for fault finding. On the practical side, let me, let me just add this. Think about this. The only accusation they could bring against the disciples was they hadn't washed their hands before they ate. Man, I wish my life was so faultless that the only thing people can say about Gene is he doesn't wash his hands before he eats. Wouldn't that be a nice way to live your life? So perfect that the only thing they can find wrong is you don't wash your hands. So first of all, tradition, it brings about fault finding. And then secondly, tradition, tradition resists change. Now we Baptists don't, don't handle change very well. But tradition deals with ritual. It, it, it produces an empty repetition. We have to do this the same way every time with, with, with no thought as to why we do this. Look at verse 3 again there in, in, in Mark's gospel. It says, For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way holding the tradition of the elders. 
give you an illustration. Took my two grandchildren to Israel. That was, what a blessing it was. And uh, the oldest granddaughter uh, is very picky in what she eats. So she brought a lot of stuff with her to eat. In fact, one evening at the, at the evening meal in the hotel, she decided that she would eat her uh, Velveeta cheese and, um, and crackers. So she gets, you know, she gets out all the stuff and she gets her cheese out and she's sitting there slicing her Velveeta cheese to put on her, her crackers. And the food police show up. Now what's the food? It's a, it's a rabbi. His job was to walk around the dining room and make sure that everything was being done in a very kosher, traditional way. And what we forgot was, in Israel, your morning meal is a, a meat, milk meal. There's no, no uh, meat products in the morning meal. The evening meal is a meat meal, and there are no cheese or milk products. He came over, he grabbed her plate, her utensils, he scolded her, he took it over, and he threw it in the garbage can because now it's polluted, it's not according to tradition. And then the maitre d' came and he scolded her, and then the waiter came and scolded her. And I finally got, you know, about lost it there. It was very unchristian. If I, they come to one more time to bother my granddaughter, I'm going to have you want to have trouble with me. Do you know why churches die? Churches die because they can't tell the difference between biblical principles and tradition. Let me see if I can illustrate this. And please understand when I when I talk about this, I want you to know. Uh, I want to talk. I want to illustrate this vacation Bible school. Now, I believe in Vacation Bible School. I support Vacation Bible School. I come to buy Vacation Bible School. I've seen lots of children saved in Vacation Bible School. But some of you that are more my age, and I'm probably one of the older guys here, remember there was a time we had a two-week Vacation Bible School. And that was the way you did Vacation Bible School. And it almost became... Uh, just almost a rift in the church when we went to one-week vacation Bible school. Now, which is biblical? Two-week vacation Bible school or one-week vacation Bible school? Both. Because the Bible doesn't tell you how many days to have vacation Bible school. Now, we are down to... Sunday through Wednesday vacation Bible school, at least at First Baptist. I don't know, y'all may be still having a week of it out here. I don't know. But we're down to Sunday through Wednesday. So is it two weeks, one week, or Sunday through Wednesday? Is it a, a daytime vacation Bible school or a nighttime vacation Bible school? Folks, it doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't give us directions on when or how to have Bible school. We're simply trying to reach lost children for Jesus Christ. But some folks get all tore up over whether or not it's one week or two weeks or Sunday through Wednesday or morning or night. We have to adjust to where, tell you back when we had a two-week vacation Bible school, 
we didn't have every mother in the neighborhood working a job. Now they're not available anymore. They're working a job just to make ends meet. We're lucky to even get their kids. You with me? You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes it, it, tradition doesn't like the change. You know the seven last words of a church? We've never done it that way before. Two things Baptists just absolutely don't like. Two things Baptists hate. One of them is change. And the other one is doing things the same old way. You can smile about that. It's okay. Brother Sammy, it's hard to preach folks in masks. Guess you can't see if they're mad at you, happy with you, smiling, or, look, or whatever. So, two things. Number one, tradition encourages fault finding. We see that here in the text. Secondly, tradition Resist change. Thirdly, tradition exalts human opinion above the Bible. Tradition simply takes what people say about the Bible and exalts it to the place of being God's word. So later on in this passage, notice what Jesus says in verse 6. You still have your Bible open there. And Jesus answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, Hypocrites, it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts from far from me. Tradition deals with saying things and doing things, not being. The word of God deals with being. In vain they worship me, teaching, oh, look here, teaching as doctrines, the commandments of men, laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, washing up pitchers and cups and many other such things as you do. See, it was an, an outward religion, not an inward faith. They were teaching as doctrine the traditions of men. Folks, not a lot of that goes on. There are folks who have sold out they have bought into what men or women have to say about the Scripture. Mary Baker Glover Patterson, do you recognize that name? That's Christian science. They'd rather hear what she says than what the Word of God says. Joseph Smith wrote the Book of Mormon, and people have sold out to that. Ellen G. White, Seventh-day Adventist. Charles Taze Russell, Watchtower Publications, the Jehovah's Witness folks. And I want to say to you, listen to me now, Christians. If you value Schofield's notes or Ryrie's notes or, or David Jeremiah's notes or even your pastor's teaching above the Word of God, you are wrong. You must put the Word of God first. The same mistake that, that the Pharisees made in Jesus' day. So be careful you don't value someone's saying about the Bible more than what the Bible says. That should be our number one priority. What does the Word of God say about this? Nothing should be more meaningful to the Christian than the Scripture. So, causes fault-finding, resists change, exalts human opinion, but worst of all, but worst of all, tradition can keep us from salvation. You see, for the re religious Pharisees of Jesus' day, 
their religion was all external. Remember, they, they, what did they do? Where did they pray? They went down to the marketplace and stood where there was a lot of traffic going by, a lot of people walking. So they would pray and they would wear their holy garments and they would look like they're very, very religious. They talked about the right things. They talked about how great God is, how wonderful the works were he had done, and how much they enjoyed the synagogue services, and how great the rabbi's message was. You begin to hear it? Sometimes we do the same thing. We walk in church and we hear the sermon and we don't find a thing to take home with us or one thing in our lives that needs to be changed or one thing that we can do different to honor God. Clean hands were important, but a clean heart is the most important. Here's what, you know there were two schools of thought in, in Jesus' day. There were two rabbinic schools. One of them was Shammai, the other one's Hillel. And they're agreed on one point. Here's the quote, I wrote it down. Anyone living in the land of Israel and eating his daily food in purification and speaking in Hebrew of the day and morning and evening praying daily with plactillaries, that's those little boxes they put on their arms and on their forehead, is certain that he will eat bread in the kingdom of God. If you do all these externals, you're going to heaven. There are a lot of Christians, or so-called Christians, there are a lot of church members who believe the same kind of thing. There is no good work which will gain a man's entrance into the kingdom of God. Paul says this in Colossians 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. That's empty words. Which depend on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. I'll tell you, you can attend every service at Mountain View Baptist Church. You can tithe to your blue in the face. You can give tithes of everything that comes into your income. You can be baptized six, eight, ten times. You can read your Bible cover to cover till the cover falls off. But listen to me. If you have never personally put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are not going to heaven. Church membership, regardless of how good the church is, and I believe this to be a good one, will not get you to heaven. Having a, a really serious, solid, Bible-teaching pastor, and you've got one, will not get you to heaven. There's only one way you're going to get there, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ. There in, in that seventh chapter of Mark, Jesus ends talking to these people, and he says in verse 20, what comes out of a man is what defiles him. It's, it's what's in the heart. For within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, 
fornications, murders, theft, covetous, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within a man and defile him. It's not the washing of hands that are going to make you clean. It's the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to your heart. That washes whiter than snow. We must examine, we must have the courage to examine what we do as a church and understand, is this something that's biblical? Is it contributing to what we want to be and what we need to be as the people of God? If it doesn't, we need to have the courage to lay it aside. Not split the church over it. Tradition is about something external while, while truth is in the heart. People do traditional things to please other people. Those who know Christ obey the word of God to please him. Tradition deals with ritual while God's truth deals with reality. Tradition brings empty repetition while the word of God changes lives for eternity. Let me pray. Father, may we have the courage to ask ourselves, why do we do this? Is this what the Scripture says, or does the Scripture not say anything at all about it? Do we do this to please other people because of what they'll think? Or do we do it because we want to please you? And I pray for that one who has been depending on their rituals, church membership, their giving, their attending, all those things that will not get them to heaven. But today, that they might find peace and security and eternity in Jesus Christ. I pray this in his name. Amen.